Welcome to Finding Your Piece of the Rock on ThinkTech Hawaii. I'm your host, Abe Lee. I have been a licensed real estate agent since 1973. I'm the owner of Century 21 iProperties Hawaii and work with over 100 wonderful agents in real estate sales. I started Abe Lee Seminars in 1980. I have taught over 10,000 students to get their real estate licenses and taught continuing education classes for licensees to renew their licenses every two years. Our show is dedicated to helping buyers and sellers understand the process involved in a real estate transaction. Our special guests will talk about legal issues, escrow, title, getting a loan, appraisals, home inspections, insurance, contracts, wills and trusts, and much, much more. Our special guest today is a licensed appraiser, Dustin Suikawa. We'll be right back. Dustin, thank you so much for making the time out of your busy schedule to be with us today. Thank you so much. Really appreciate being here. Great. We're excited about this. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you went to school, your education, and how you got involved in the appraisal business. Sure. No problem. Uh, first of all, I appreciate Abe Lee and uh, ThinkTech Hawaii for this opportunity to be a guest. Um, ThinkTech, I know, does amazing work providing educational experiences to uh, consumers around the state. Um, something, you know, in general, I used to watch James Sugimura. Um, I definitely watched her episode uh, with the Fire Life Safety Ordinance. So really appreciate all the work that you guys do here. Um, but with regards to me, my name is Dustin Suikawa. I'm a certified residential appraiser here on Oahu. Uh, born and raised in the Aleva Heights area, I went to high school at Punahou School, uh, but I have two parents that are proud um, products of the public school system. So Farrington, uh, my dad went to Farrington, go governors, and uh, my mom went to McKinley, the Tigers as well. <laughs> uh, being raised in the islands, you know, I was pretty mixed, the Japanese, Chinese, Hawaiian, Okinawan background, and um, got my undergraduate degree from Santa Clara University. Uh, some of my hobbies include fishing, surfing, traveling, uh, plants, you know, uh, when I'm not appraising or in the real estate industry. Um, but really what got me involved and uh, engaged in real estate was, was Abe Lee. Uh, in 2014, I originally took his Abe Lee seminars pre-licensing course, and uh, that kind of set me on my path. Um, a couple of years later, I had an opportunity to become a trainee uh, at Uetake and Associates, Inc. The company was started by Diane at Sydney Uetake, and I was trained by Brian Walter and Tammy Uetake. They are great, uh, wonderful people, um, really genuine and down to earth, and, and they are also very knowledgeable about local real estate uh, in Oahu. So that's kind of what got me started on my path, uh, at least with the Rustbrook page. Okay. Well, I see on your resume, that you're currently the State of Hawaii Department of Transportation's Highways Division right-of-way agent, which means that you value properties, I guess, as uh, the need arises for the government to buy properties or whatever. And then, of course, you said that you have your own Ali appraisals, <clears throat> and you work for American Savings Bank, and then, of course, Uetake and Uetake. And they're good friends of ours as well, so I'm really grateful that you got to work with them because they're really good people. Really, really really great people yeah so tell me what's involved in getting a real estate license i mean appraisal license well what's the education requirements and the licensing requirements 
It's a pretty lengthy process. Um, I guess for the purposes of this show, I'll go over residential uh, appraisers. So first of all, you need to get a trainee license. Um, in order to get that trainee license, you need approximately 75 hours uh, of coursework. Course I think that's spread out over four different classes. Um, you also need a supervisor appraiser who's licensed and certified. Um, once you're able to obtain that trainee license, then uh, you go on to take another, I guess, 200 hours of appraisal courses from real estate background, financing, uh, different methods, methodologies to valuation. Um, you need about, 50, I, I believe now it's 1,500 supervised hours on job. So you need an experience log showing, you know, you did your due diligence and you put your time in uh, for Fannie Mae conventional loans and purchases, refis, HELOCs. Um, you also have to pass a certain amount of background checks, and you also need a couple of uh, reputation references. Yeah, so for me, it took about two to three years to fully complete everything while also working at the same time. That's amazing. I mean, that's a real, it's like a law degree almost. <laughs> I don't know if it's that quite <laughs> there, but uh, yeah, it took a little while. Okay. So, um, we talked about education requirements and I counted on your resume, like you had like 36 classes that you took from varying hours. Uh, I mean, some were like all day classes and it must not have been cheap to get these, all this education. No, um, fortunately I, I had uh, employers that were kind enough to help, you know, pay for some of those educational courses. Some of them I paid for myself. Um, there were some classes where you also had to do some travel. So I flew out to Chicago for a couple of uh, advanced report writing classes. And those those classes can be a little bit of uh, pressure. You know, okay. you fly up there, you take an exam at the end of the course, at the end of the week, and you fly home. And then they kind of just give you the uh, determination whether you pass or fail. So. All right. Yeah. So what's your primary duties as an appraiser? And what's the process involved in you getting involved in the appraisal process, in the home buying process? So for the primary duties as an appraiser, um, this is taken out directly from the Appraisal Institute's definition. Uh, the role of appraiser is to provide objective, impartial, independent, and unbiased opinions about the value of real property. Uh, appraisal in itself is an act of developing an opinion of value. In other terms, you know, we are the eyes and ears of the lender uh, with regards to mortgage transactions. We try to portray exactly what we see, um, what the loan is, you know, being collateralized with. Uh, they want to know what the property is like, what is the condition, are there any issues? Uh, in another sense, I guess we could be risk analysts in, in the real estate world. Okay, so now let's walk through this process. We have a buyer. They find a house that they like, they make an offer, and then the offer is made and the seller and the buyer negotiate, do, um, you know, sometimes they have counter offers to the offer, and then they finally sign a document that's a binding contract that opens escrow. When do you get involved in this buying process? Who calls you and who hires you? Appraisers uh, usually come in towards the latter end of the transaction. It's usually after home inspectors, termite inspectors, other contractors, and we're we're usually one of the last ones. Um, 
So we're usually approached by the lender, whether that be a credit union, a bank, um, any financial institution. Um, they'll come to us with an order. We put in our bids as well. And uh, once that order is secured, we go through the process of scheduling the property inspection. And that's normally where the public will see us out at the property. Uh, we'll do the full, I guess at times there are full interior. Sometimes they don't require uh, us to go out on site, but usually for standard mortgage transactions, we're, we're there on site viewing the property. Okay. So now, the lender is now hiring you to do the appraisal, right? Correct. Now, do you contact who? The buyer's agent or the seller's agent to make the appointment to get into the unit? It could be both. Um, but on a normal basis, we'll usually contact the seller's agent. Uh, they have access to the property, whether it's a lockbox or who may keep them there. Um, on some occasions, maybe the seller's agent is unavailable at that time and we'll meet the buyer's agent. They have uh, access to the property. Um, sometimes we meet with developers, contractors, tenants. Okay, so it's kind of whoever's available, right? Exactly. Okay, so now when you go in, what's your process? What do you do? When we first get to the property, um, we're looking at the home, the property as a whole, and we're trying to identify value-influencing factors of the property. Um, that includes both separating land and the improvement. So land, there's many different features of our topography, uh, usability, what neighborhood, there's uh, easements, you know, potential external factors. Are there positive or negative con contributions around in the area? Uh, you know, I've been to homes where they're near a sewer water treatment plant, you know, is that a positive or negative for the typical buyer? Is Does it have a beneficial location near shopping malls? Um, those are all things that we consider, you know, within the land. Um, within the improvements, we look at the structure of the home, um, the materials that it was built with, the quality of the construction. Is it a custom build? Is it a, is it a more standard track home? Uh, what type of roofing, the siding? The, the features really that, that we could note in the appraisal are, are truly endless <laughs> and we can pick it apart if we really have. Yeah. I've looked at appraisals and I don't know how you do it because there's so many variables, which we'll talk about in a minute. Okay. Now, is there a timeline? Like how recent should the homes be in the time of sales to do a, a favorable comparable between the subject property and the comparables that you're comparing it to? What's the timeline? Ideally, um, when we're choosing comparable sales and supporting our valuation of the subject, um, we would like it as close to the effective date as, as of the date of inspection as possible. In an ideal world, we would have three sales that close one day prior, and they're <laughs> all the same square footage, the same land size. Uh, but in reality, that, that's not usually the case. Um, so I would say ideally three months, um, three to six months is, is a good range for the standard home when choosing comparable sales. Okay. And how many comparable sales are you looking for? Three minimum, six max, or what, how many? Three minimum. Three okay. minimum and as many as it takes to support a valuation. Okay. So that's one. That's the age of the sales compared to the subject property. How about distance? 
I mean, how far away should the homes be or close? How close should they be? That depends on the area um, that the subject property is located in. If it's an urban area, usually we try to stay within one mile proximity. Um, for more rural areas, we can push out to around 10 miles. Um, it, it, it depends on the dwelling itself and, and the land size. You know, sometimes you will find a good comparable sale that's similar in, in terms of most features, but maybe it's a little bit outside of a mile or two miles. In okay. that case, I, I feel like you could make the argument and if uh, an appraiser would usually add additional commentary explaining why he went outside of the one month. Okay. So let's go to, when you look at a home, you have a list of all the different features, right? Yes. So which is the most prominent features that you're looking at? For example, lot size or house size or number of bedrooms, bathrooms. What are the features that you're looking for to do your comparables? Major features, uh, definitely, like you said, lot size. Um, but again, depending on the shape of the lot, that can mm. play a big factor too. Um, if it's a skinnier lot, maybe it's not quite as usable as a larger width um, size lot, right? Um, so it really depends on the specific uh, property and also the time and what comparable sales are available. Uh, um, now, with uh, the size of home, that makes a big difference. So you're trying to look for homes that are similar in size, but sometimes you can't find them, right? One could be a 1,500-square-foot home. The other could be a 2,500-square-foot home, right? right? So I know you folks do adjustments. Can you explain a little bit to a layman how you do adjustments in valuations? Within the uh, sales comparison approach of our appraisal, it's a giant grid. It looks like an Excel spreadsheet. Um, and each row has a different feature, whether that's land size, gross livable area, the views of the property, uh, the quality of the construction of the home, the condition, the age, the bedroom count, bathroom count. And there's also a bunch of blank rows as well, too, um, that we can kind of fill in as we choose. You know, maybe you're comparing a fully level lot compared to a slightly sloped level. Um, there are differences in that as well. Uh, sometimes you compare utilities, right? Does one property have septic versus publicly connected or septic versus cesspool? Right? There has been a lot of uh, advertising about, you know, cesspool being converted by 2050. Um, so that, that does make a big difference in terms of valuation and looking to the future, right? What are potential costs uh, that home buyers are, are willing to take on, right? So, so let's take a... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Within the grid, um, there's all these lines that can be adjusted for, and those can either be adjusted on uh, price per unit. Uh, it can be based on cost, uh, and that's really up to the appraiser's discretion. Uh, it, it depends on every situation. And how can, I guess the appraiser's job is to justify using each one of those adjustments appropriately. Okay. Let's take a concrete example. Let's say there's a 5,000 square foot lot and there's an 8,000 square foot lot. And let's say the subject property that you're appraising is 5,000 smaller and the comparable one is 8,000 square feet. How do you adjust the value? So usually the adjustment occurs with the comparable sale. Okay. Uh, adjustments are not made to the subject property. Right. So 
if the comparable is 8,000 square foot, you know, a couple of thousand square foot larger than the subject, we would bring that price down. It would be a negative adjustment because it is superior in terms of the lots. Um, how much on a case-by-case -case basis. Now, that's where the magic comes in. Because I had students ask me, how did the appraisers know how much to adjust for cost per square foot of the land and cost per square foot of the house? I say, that's why they go through hundreds, if not thousands of hours of training to come out with this magic formula. Because <laughs> yeah, I know it you have a little bit different. Um, you know, when you look at price per square foot, normally that includes just the entire sales price. Yeah. That doesn't break down the differences between the dwelling itself and, and the land value. Mm -hmm. um, but when we appraisers make adjustments, you know, they are completely separated. So a lot of the times the adjustments that we make are less um, than what the normal price per square foot you would see from an, an agent or maybe on an advertising uh, okay. MLS. Yeah. All right. Interesting. All right. Um, now, appraisers usually do what we call three types of appraisals. And can you go over the three types and which is the most prevalent in your line of work? So there's three major approaches to value um, that both residential and commercial appraisers use. First, and probably the most relevant for home buyers, uh, would be the sales comparison approach. And that's considering recent sales in the market. Your selecting comparable sales that would help support a value. Um, there's also the cost approach that sometimes used, it's, it's most effectively used for newer constructions where you have current construction costs. Maybe uh, a home buyer purchased the land itself. They have actual data of the land value, contractor's estimate. Usually that, that helps out most with new construction. Right. When they're when they're older homes, you have to calculate depreciation and depreciation is always effective. So that's why it's not as effective for older homes. Mm. That being the cost approach. Uh, last approach is the income approach. And that is more geared towards uh, multifamily, multi-unit property. As a residential appraiser, we can handle uh, two to four units. Anything over four units that probably best handled by a commercial appraiser. Uh, so I won't dive too much into that, um, but that takes a look at rental analysis, um, income producing potential of property. So those are the three basic uh, approaches to value that appraiser. So the license that you have, you're certified as a residential appraiser, right? Correct. Correct. Okay, now what other types of licenses do are there allowed by the state of Hawaii for different types of appraisal, appraisers? So there's three uh, major licenses, not counting the trainee license. Above right. the trainee, there's an SLA. Um, but the, the limit to an SLA license is that you cannot appraise anything over a million dollars. Um, and in Hawaii, that, that excludes uh, a lot of properties. <laughs> uh, certified residential appraisers can appraise any type of residential property and multifamily up to two to four years. Uh, for CGAs that certify general appraisers, those are commercial appraisers. They can handle even more uh, different types of properties. So those uh, are the ones that would do the commercial real estate appraisers like a shopping center or a hotel or something correct. big. Correct. Okay. All right. And then there's different licensing requirements and education requirements for those three types, aren't there? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, it's not easy. I, I have great respect for appraisers. Okay.
Now let's get to a little bit of a touchy area. In Hawaii, lots of our buy sellers improve their home, quote, improve their home without permits. Right. Like enclose their carport and enclose it, put a bathroom and a uh, kitchen and have their mother-in-law or father-in-law or somebody move in. And then when they pass away, then they just happen to bring in strangers in there and then live there as for rental income. As an appraiser, what do you do with those areas that are not permitted? Okay. So I guess, first of all, before I address anything, um, we would always recommend going through the proper permitting process. Yes. Um, even if it might take a little bit more time, you know, if it, if it costs some extra fees, it's always worth it to go through the proper um, channels and procedures. Um, and always working with also licensed contractors. Um, with that being said, um, permitting issues can be dealt in a, a various amount of ways, depending on the lender, um, depending on the type of loan that you're obtaining, uh, depending on the appraiser, um, and also depending on the area of concern. Um, you know, not all unpermitted issues are equal. Um, I would say, you know, for a home buyer or even a seller, um, be honest and upfront with an appraiser. Um, they can usually point out certain things that may not show up on tax records. Um, do your homework. You know, there are occasions where an appraiser, or even myself, you know, we didn't find the record for permits. Um, but upon meeting the homeowner, they they were adamant. You know, we got the permit, we filed it correctly, it, it's there. And, you know, soon enough, I go down to DBP, go through their old file records, and sure enough, the permit is there. It just wasn't uploaded into the online database. Um, so if you if you have that type of proof or paperwork, um, it would be great to provide to an appraiser. Um, that way, it, it, it makes the job a lot more seamless for us on our end. Um, but most of all, I guess, these unpermitted areas, do they affect the safety, the soundness, um, the livability, or the structural integrity of the property? So those are some big issues, right? If there are active leaks, if there's mold and mildew growth, um, if there's you know, nails sticking out of the wall, um, those are major things that they would definitely call out and the lender would want repaired. And again, this is a form of risk analysis, right? For, for the lender. So we wanna make sure that the property is safe and sound. It's not gonna fall to the ground when you enter the building. <laughs> the flooring isn't gonna collapse, right? Those those types of issues. Um, yeah, so do you, do you uh, not give credit to value to the improvement if they're not permitted sometimes? At times, yes. Um, maybe there's no value. At times, there could be some value. I, I believe that it, in Hawaii's market, um, it's very prevalent. And I believe that buyers see the value in it, even if there's no permit. Mm -hmm. um, maybe not full value, um, but there there is potential. Um, okay. Great. Now, someone, the buyer, wants to meet you at the house or the buyer's agent wants to meet you at the house when you're doing the appraisal. Who are you allowed to talk to and who are you allowed not to talk to? Um, we are allowed to talk to buyer's agents. You know, if they, if they really would like to be there, for me, no problem. 
Um, they're allowed to provide information or maybe they did some research on their own. They want to bring in comparable sales. That's not an issue. Ultimately, the appraiser will review the information that they provide and they will choose um, whether or not they, they believe that the sale is truly comparable or not. Um, we are allowed to talk to both buyers and sellers. Agents. Uh, however, we usually do not communicate directly with loan officers. Uh -huh. um, that's something that's usually handled between a third party, maybe it's a appraisal, uh, appraisal division or department within the lenders institutions. Um, that's a certain, you know, go-to person that relays information uh, between us appraisers and loan officers. And also we are limited to what we can say about value. And even when we are at the property, a lot of times we don't know the value to be honest. You know, we, we obtain the value by going through the report, the 20 or 30 page, 40 page sometimes report. Um, and, and really diving through the market analysis, the neighborhood, the sales, um, doing, like you said, all of these adjustments for the multiple different features. Uh, so a lot of the times we don't truly know the value, but we can't answer any questions about that um, at the inspection or until the appraisal is completed. Okay. And uh, also sometimes lenders, um, you know, they would ask us not to disclose deadlines. Um, our client is the lender. Even, even if the borrower is paying for the appraisal, our client is the lender. Um, so we would usually direct any questions regarding deadlines, due dates, value concerns. Um, definitely speak with your lender or loan officer first. Okay, great. You know, Dustin, time has passed so fast. We're almost at the end already. Can you believe yeah. it? Unbelievable. We could yeah. talk on for another uh, half hour, hour. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> there's some other topics that we could talk about that are what I call controversial. But we won't because I've been in transactions where the seller actually removed an extra fridge or a mm -hmm. stove to make sure that there were not two kitchens and that one was not permitted, et cetera. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that go on. But Dustin, thank you so much. Um, how do they get a hold of you if they want, have any questions? Um, you can feel free to email me at dsuekawa, D-S-U-E. K-A-W-A at aliiappraisals.com. Uh, I have a direct phone line. Business line is 808-495-7690. Or you can find me at aliiappraisals.com. Great. So you have a website too. Well, thank you so much, Sasson. I really appreciate your time. And folks, if you like this seminar, please tell your friends about it and share it. And this will be broadcast tomorrow. Uh, it's not right. It's broadcast uh, on Tuesdays at 1 p.m. So if you want to get videos of all the uh, shows that we've done, you can see it on thinktechhawaii.com. And if you have any questions about real estate education, please email me or actually go to my website at www.abliseminars.com. And I'd be glad to answer any questions that you might have about the process, about the appraisal, buying and selling, contracts, you name it. We cover it in our 25-chapter course. And by the way, Dustin was my student and a really good student at that. So thank you so much, folks, and hope you enjoyed the show. Tell your friends about it. We have other shows that we've done that I think are valuable to the consumer, and that's the whole mission of our show. Thank you very much, Dustin. Take care. And thank you, folks, for being the show. And aloha.
Thank you so much for watching Think Tech Hawaii. If you like what we do, please like us and click the subscribe button on YouTube and the follow button on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and donate to us at thinktechhawaii.com. Mahalo.